From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. The federal budget promised more money to rural GPs to incentivise more doctors to leave metropolitan areas for the bush. But a cash promise is really enough to make a difference in our rural workforce shortages. This episode, I'm joined by Professor Anthony Scott from the University of Melbourne. Tony leads the health and healthcare theme at the University of Melbourne Institute of Applied Economic and Social Research. The Treasurer Josh Frydenberg handed down the budget last week, and as part of that, rural GPs seemed like the biggest winners in primary care on budget night with a bigger commitment to training, allied health support, and an additional $65 million for additional Medicare payments in rural areas. Could you tell us what that additional money is being allocated for specifically? So this money is extra bulk billing incentives. So this is where for every consultation that a GP does, if they bulk bill and it's the patient is under 16 or a Commonwealth concession card holder, that is kind of older elderly patients, then they're eligible to claim this incentive. And that incentive has been increased for doctors in rural areas. So the more rural you are, um, the more money you get if, if you have those patients. And what does that increase look like practically between a city-based consult and one in a Monash area three or more? It's, it's um, I think for, for a consultation, for a city-based consult, it's about, doctors get about $45 if they bulk bill concession card holders or under 16s. And in the most rural area, it goes up to about $51. Um, but in medium rural towns, it goes to about $49. So, so per consultation, it's additional, up, up to an additional, you know, $2.50 or something like that. So, um, but once you multiply it up by the number of patients, um, uh, it'll be a bit more substantial than that, obviously. But there are some caveats around this additional money, isn't there? One being that the amount is designated to a specific patient population rather than the GP's location. Isn't that right? That's right. So as well as the location, and so you know, on average, you know, um, for patients um, who are under 16 and those elderly patients on con- with concession cards, that's probably less than half of a standard GP's kind of pool of patients that they see. So it doesn't, it, they don't get this money for all patients, just some. And so all of those other patients that they would be seeing as well in obstetrics and emergency care and home visits, that wouldn't yeah. fall into that category? No, 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 because they're, they're outside of those population groups. So the doctors in the most rural area would just get the same amount as a doctor in a city for those patients. Mm, so for a long time, the GP sector has had this debate whether they should take a stick or carrot approach to getting doctors into the bush. And, you know, bond placements were more of a stick approach, whereas financial incentives are the carrot. Are financial incentives better for rural workforce retention? It's it's kind of hard to tell. And, and our research suggests that, that they don't work very well. So, um, I mean, you're right that there's lots of different policies being tried and have been tried and they're constantly tinkering with them over the last 20 years to try and get G's to go rural, including kind of support for training and the rural generalist stream, which tries to get uh, um, so doctors can see a career track into rural kind of thing. Um, but financial incentives is, 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 have been used for a long, long time as well. And there's lots of different incentives for different types of doctor they're in the practice incentive program there's a workforce incentive program so if you if you move 
um, you know, you get extra money. Um, and then there's these other kind of additions that they have. So there's lots going on. And our, our researchers previously found that, um, you know, you have to pay GPs a heck of a lot to get them to go rural. Um, uh, our research from our Mabel survey showed that, you know, if, uh, on average, if a GP has about earns about 220,000 per year to get them to go to a kind of an okay rural area. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at uh, increasing that to 260,000. If you want to go them to go to a very, very remote area, that goes up to over $500,000. Plus, you know, more than two thirds of GPs wouldn't move no matter how much you paid them. So um, that suggests that the incentive amounts required for doctors to move, if that was your only policy, um, is going to be very high. Uh, and and you know our other research looking at some changes to these incentive schemes um, showed again that that, that that they didn't influence recruitment or retention at all for on average, but they did um, uh, increase the chance that that that, that new um, new GPs newly trained GPs um, would more likely to go rural. So these are, I guess, doctors who are um, more mobile. They haven't got a practice yet. Maybe they're um, they haven't got a family yet, so they're, they're a bit more movable around, I think. So so that's, if you're going to target incentives, I would target incentives at, at this particular group. And you said that those younger GPs or, you know, newly minted GPs are the ones that should be targeted with financial incentives because they may be more likely to move to rural areas. Yeah. Has there been anything that targets those in GP training or recently leaving GP training? Um, n- not in terms of financial incentives. Obviously, those doctors are, are are being trained a lot more in rural areas, so that there's a lot of training pathways now for, for those kind of doctors. But I think, um, nevertheless, it, it, our research suggests that they, they might be more responsive to incentives than, than GPs who already have established practices and families and things like that. And it really does come down to more than the money, doesn't it? Because even if you can get young GPs into these areas, as you were saying before, they may not have children yet. But it seems to be that when people do have young families, they start to think about the schooling in the town and opportunities. And if they have a professional partner that needs a job as well, they are all cumulative uh, reasons why someone might leave. Yeah. Do you think that there's enough focus on things that can take aim at the more lifestyle implications of moving to a rural area? Um, look, I think that's a, that's a, a difficult area for policy um, in terms of how policy can influence people's lifestyles in those areas because it depends on the community that's there in the rural area as well and, uh, and what's there um, for the doctor and, and then what's there for the community. So I think um, the social issues are, are important, um, but I guess the, you know, the college GPs and the Department of Health, I guess they can really only try to influence the professional aspects um, of, uh, of of working in those particular areas and make that a bit more attractive. But again, it's kind of, um, I think that, you know, it, it's getting doctors trained there is very important um, and continuing that training, um, uh, you know, from from when they're in the medical school through through when they're, they're actually GP registrars and, and beyond that. So they have some connection to those areas. And certainly, you know, medical schools are also trying to recruit more doctors who grew up in rural areas. And that's been shown to be a, a strong predictor of, of going back to rural as well. And yet at the moment, 
our strongest way to get doctors into the country at the moment is by offering internationally trained doctors a moratorium, which is where they're basically restricted, their provider number is restricted to a certain geographical area for a decade. But, you know, obviously not everyone is very happy with this. And often once they finish those 10 years, they'll also want to move into a metropolitan area. But I believe that makes up around 40% of all GPs in those areas being qualified overseas. Yeah. What what do we do for long-term sustainability? Because obviously in the last year, we haven't had many IMGs come into the country. Have you heard that that's going to become a significant problem in the pipeline over the next little while? Um, look, I'm not sure. I think, I think you're right. There has been, it, I mean, it, it, you know, that policy has been a long-term solution to this, right? Over the past however many decades, that's been happening. And that's been, I think, the only thing that's, definitely worked right um uh given the preferences of city doctors not to go to rural um i think with covid yes there has been a huge drop in um in immigration and but nevertheless there's still you know in terms of particularly in terms of um you know temporary resident um visa holders uh but but those numbers for highly skilled occupations haven't dropped as much as we would think i don't think it's mainly a lot of the um uh tourists and and other things that that have fallen um so i think that, that there's still people coming in um and there were still people coming in during covid and now doctors are on back on the priority skilled occupation list which was introduced um late last year during covid um so doctors are still being let in um so i don't think that's uh it may have caused a little bit of a blip but it's not a huge issue and i think um, you know, it's it's something that um, we need to keep an eye on. But I think, you know, the, the policy of trying to reduce reliance on overseas doctors is is proving a bit difficult to kind of implement because, as I said, you know, doctors are still prioritised to come in and it's, and it's employers, it's hospitals, it's practices who are um, sponsoring these people to come in. So in that sense, it's demand-led, which is good because it fills gaps. Uh, but it also means that the government has a bit less control over who goes where. Um, and it also means that if you're trying to get doctors out of the city, um, you want to create some space for them, right? And it's and it's been, it's hard to do that, I think, at the moment. And especially when you look at how much money the government spends graduating in the thousands of medical students in Australia every year, there's just bigger questions in the system of why people aren't choosing general practice and the fact that we've got waiting lines in other specialties uh, because people are picking other yeah. specialties as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a, a national health work medical workforce strategy um, implementation about to be published by the Department of Health, and that's you know um, going to hopefully try to deal or have some ideas about some of those issues. Um, but yeah, I think the um, the issue of of lots of doctors coming through and and trying to ensure that they go to areas of need so that their their skills aren't wasted, if you like, is really important. And so overall, what were your final thoughts on these budget measures and where to from here? And look, I think it's, you know, after the Medicare fee freeze where where, where lots a lot of money was taken out of general practice, um, you know, GPs will be happy with with, with anything at, at the moment. Um so that, that that's good. I think if you it, it, it is clear that to get doctors into rural areas, you need a combination of, of lots of different policies. 
Um, financial incentives on their own aren't going to work very well, but they may reinforce other kind of training policies, and that hasn't really been looked at. So I think it, um, uh, it it's overall a welcome move, but its effect on um, retention and, and recruitment in rural areas is probably um, not going to be great, um, but, but it could reinforce other policies, and we don't really know that yet. Professor Tony Scott, thank you. Thanks, Francine. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the show by searching for the Tea Room Medical Republic in your favourite podcast player.